Welcome back to Closing the Wealth Gap. No secret that there's a widening wealth gap between the haves and the have-nots. So which side of the divide are you on? Now, how do you bridge that gap and gain greater economic control, freedom, security for yourself and your loved ones? That's what this show is all about. Closing the Wealth Gap, the only show with weekly workable tips, ideas, and suggestions for average income earners like you on how to regain control of your financial future. From the man who's helped many, Tyrone French. Hey, Tyrone. Paul, 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 Paul. <laughs> I am excited and elated about today's show. Well, you're always excited. You've got, you've <laughs> always got this positive outlook on the future. We've all got this doom and gloom that sounds like the opening here. I'm, I'm behind the eight ball, and there's no way to get out. And you're always like, hey, just realize that there is. It, it doesn't take a trick shot to get there. Well, it's my, it's my belief system and, and my attitude. And I know that based on, I don't, I don't really go off of circumstances. I look at based on, I create an idea, I create a thought, and I just manifest that thought. And it's happened over and over and over to whereas I don't have to second guess it. It just works. Well, and you're coming from, uh, most of us feel like we live in a world of scarcity. There's only so much and somebody else has got it. And you're looking at it from a, an area of abundance abundance we create we create our abundance we create our prosperity so there's never any reason to compete with anybody else but yourself all right well i'm i'm going to take notes i'm going to try and uh, d- put aside my old guy doubts here and and uh, try and learn a new trick so uh, well, teach us teach us a, a, a different way to think about this well, let me tell you why i'm so excited today i got i have a gentleman on the phone online for the interview and his name is Dan Vignal. And Dan is the founder and CEO of a company called WebPrez. That's W-E-B-P-R-E-Z. WebPrez Videos. And the reason I'm so elated about Dan is because it, he is the advisor to financial advisors. And when you're talking about wealth or you're talking about accumulation of assets, you're talking about education. You have to educate yourself. And then all of a sudden you begin to create the, the, the wealth consciousness or the mindset to where as you begin to see prosperity and abundance wherever you go. So now you're able to capitalize on these opportunities. Well, what Dan has done is he's taken these, these ideas and these concepts and he's placed them into videos. So as a consumer base, when you realize that you have access to all of this knowledge, 24 hours a day, seven days a week that you can tap into to educate yourself. Now, a lot of the information that you're getting is unbiased. So now you're at a point to where as you realize that now you're making a decision based on your situation and it's sound. And you know why that makes sense to me that we'll bring Dan in here, but I have been burned like others have been burned trusting financial advisors only to find out they weren't selling me what was best for that for me. They were selling what was best for them. They got an extra spiff from, you know, the the house that they worked at. They got uh, they had a certain incentive to uh, push a certain product on me here, uh, or they just wanted me to buy stuff over and over and over again. So they got commissions. I I didn't feel they were looking out for me, and. I've come to wonder if they really know as much as I thought they did. They're stuck in some old paradigm here, uh, buy and hold and ride it out. And the world has changed. So right. I'm curious to hear both of those, how 
you educate how we educate ourselves and how the people we rely upon the financial advisors like yourself how do they get educated and not fall into the same blind uh, patterns that they followed before and I tell you what it goes back to questions if you're asking the right if you're asking the right questions based on your situation what you're doing now is you're waiting for a response yeah and, but if you don't know what question to ask... That's what I was going to say. I don't even... <laughs> okay, so I, well, now I've got to figure out the questions to ask. And, right? and, and that's, that right there is the, is the rub of what we're going to talk about today. Putting yourself in a position to ask the right questions. And then once you get that feedback, something's going to trigger inside of you to where you're going to know, wait a minute, this doesn't sound right. Right. And so now you're going to do your due diligence. You're going to do your, your research. And then you're going to find advisors that line up with your ideas, line up with your philosophy, or, or give you answers that seem to make sense that for you. That makes sense for you, yeah, exactly. Right. Well, come on in, Dan, and tell us how we do this. Okay. Well, um, it's nice to be here, and it's very nice to hear Paul, your soliloquy there, uh, describing the distrust for uh, financial advisors in general. Yeah. And specifically, um, that is really the purview of investment advisors. And I'm going to try, I know we have limited time here, so I'm going to try to give you some relatively profound uh, things you can take away from um, our discussion here this afternoon or this morning. Um, one is uh, do not trust any advisor who is telling you what to do with your money or who is telling you that you should trust them to manage your money. Now, that's number one. Now, Dan, you know what? I, I know you said you're going to go in a sequence, but that's, that's key to what you just said. So elaborate on that, because I don't want to lose any of the orders in the second, uh, the second section, uh, uh, section of that question. Elaborate on what you just said. Okay. So Paul described it accurately that um, they operate, most advisors, and not maliciously, but the industry itself, Wall Street, investment bankers, and investment firms get paid commissions or fees based on keeping you in the stock market, the stocks and bonds and derivatives and right. ETFs and uh, mutual funds and all of that. All the alphabets, they, yes. They have proliferated a belief in the public over a hundred years that the only way to make money and the only way to retire is to have money in the stock market. And I am telling you without equivocation, that is absolutely not true. It can work, but it's not true for the average American with a, a job and a salary it does not work well for them, which is why so many people are ill-prepared for retirement. And they are perpetrating this or perpetuating this misinformation or this myth. And the first thing you need to do is disallow it. You need to just say, that's not for me. Dan, I tell you, the choir in this audience, they're saying hallelujah. They're saying hallelujah. <laughs> well, and I could give you some real examples where I, I, I won't name. We'll, we'll say it's, you know, big names like, oh, did we lose them there? I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Oh, Tyrone hit sure. something there. Okay. That's what he did. Um, you know, I, I won't say what company, but it's like, you know, the Maryland Smith Barney's, all the, you yeah. know, the typical houses here. And I went to somebody and he said, let me manage the money. I'm good at this. You're not. Right. And all of a sudden, during the Great Recession, we're buying, uh, you know, things like Enron and other crazy things here. And we lost it all. 
And I find out later that they're getting extra incentives to sell that stuff to me here. And, and we're buying and trading stuff on a regular basis, and he's making a commission every time we do this. So was that really in my best interest, or was that in his interest? Now, I, I, somewhere in between is probably the truth. He thought he was probably doing me a good service and I'd stick around, but he was clearly taking advantage of opportunities for him to make money off of me. Well, Paul, it goes even further than that, and I think this is what uh, Tyrone was leading to. Most financial advisors do not know. They simply don't have the answers. They are being taught themselves how the whole system works. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so again, and we've seen this, we do another show on the station here about alternative investments, things other than the buy and hold, the stuff that wealthy people, as Tyrone's always said, the hedge fund sort of use to hedge against downturns and other things like that, things that aren't correlated, as they say, to the stock market, used to just be bonds. If stocks are up, then bonds are down and vice versa. Now there's a whole realm of other ideas and opportunities out there that people never talk about. They don't talk about the Wall Street Journal and your financial advisor doesn't because they probably don't know themselves. Right. And, and I, I do want to jump in here. And Paul, what ha- and, and Dan, what happens, it creates an atmosphere of fear to whereas, and we're not talking about the 5%, we're talking about the 95%, the, the middle America, it creates that fear to whereas they, have, they end up doing nothing. Yeah. Which is the worst possible thing that you can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Tyrone talks about annuities a lot and stuff, and I know that's a product he works in and has specialized in. I don't know anything about annuities. I don't know if it's good or bad. I just don't know anybody that's talking about it. So it creates a, a fear that I say I'm just going to stay away from that. Everybody's buying stocks. I will, too. Yeah, so I think that if we begin with that, then the corollary is, okay, well, if it's not Wall Street, if it's not the investments and not securities for the average guy, then what is it? And I think that's where um, guys like Robert Kiyosaki, Mm -hmm. who have written and done seminars on real estate investment as an alternative, have really resonated with the public because it's something that every one of us can do. Every one of us can, can, you know, buy a house and rent it out or, you know, work up, buy more houses. That works. And fundamentally, here's the change in the paradigm. We all know that to be, we all think that being wealthy means having millions of dollars in the bank, millions of dollars in an investment portfolio, or millions of dollars in the net worth. But what we have to understand is there's two ways to make money. You have money at work, which is what the stock market is, or what a a business is, or or what assets are, and you have people at work. Those are jobs. Yes. And so we, we typically trade our time, our, our knowledge, our skills, and our effort in exchange for money, and that's how we get paid. Wealthy people are leveraging capital to make money, not their time. And the problem is most of us average people who have jobs don't have enough capital to invest it to produce enough to replace our jobs, Right. You, you, you nailed it exactly here. I've only got so much time, and I can only sell so much of my time, so there's a limit on how much money I can make. I mean, maybe I, okay. maybe I become an expert and get paid a little bit more for my time, but there's a finite amount of what I'm trading here. Right. So just to, just to qualify this, I have personally been semi-retired since I was around 35. Oh, my goodness. Not completely, 
because I didn't want to be completely. I mean, you might know Warren Buffett, who's the wealthiest man in the United States, or one of the wealthiest. He's 87 years old, and he's still working, and yeah. so is his partner. So it's not about having so much money that you can lay on a beach for the rest of your life. And by the way, I live on a beach in Puerto Rico, and <laughs> it's wonderful, but I don't want to stay here all the time. Yeah. There are other things to do. So when it comes to retirement, you don't necessarily want to, as they, as all the commercials uh, indicate, you want to give it all up and, and have a pension that pays you every month and all you do is go out to dinner and shows and play golf or go fishing or whatever. That's not the reality of what it's like to, um, or, or how we should think in terms of retirement. Right. What we do need to replace us is a business. And it doesn't require that we be businessmen per se, or businesswomen per se. One of the things that, of course, is, is a major um, consideration is the cost of getting in business. But I'm going to give you four resources today, right now, that you can look up. And for anybody of average means, if you have some money saved for retirement or you've, you're in the process of saving for retirement, instead of putting that money in the stock market or mutual funds or exchange-traded funds, put that money into your own business. And here are the four places you can start looking for opportunity. All right, we're pulling our pens out right now. Yes. Here. Franchising. Franchising.com. Franchises from McDonald's and Burger King down to ServPro or whatever else. They're all types of, they're literally thousands of franchises. And some of them are, you can get into for as little as $70,000 or $80,000. Yeah, I, for example, I know a guy that just did that, bought a, uh, he was. Uh, and worked for some big company, and now he's got a company that does, um, like, Mary Maids or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so he's and it's a low-cost business to get into, and he's bought a, a route and a service or a pool. I know another guy did a pool cleaning business type of thing, right. something to provide him a a extra income, uh, an easier, smaller business to run that provided him some income into his retirement years. Well, and that's that's the thing, Paul, is you can start out small and just supplement your Social Security with a part-time business opportunity, or you can start doing that part-time while you're working mm. and ramp it up because ultimately all of these, especially the franchising, allows you to hire a manager from the profits in your business, and you hire a manager to run that business. This is what wealthy people do. This is what celebrity athletes do, and celebrity actors and actresses and, and musicians and singers. Yeah, they own this restaurants or car dealerships or other sorts of things, yeah. Right, right. They invest in businesses. You want to invest in something that's going to produce income. Investing in the stock market or bonds will produce income, but it's so little that you because there's just so little uh, return on investment that it doesn't pay. It's 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 and and that's not what wealthy people do. Right. Hey, Let me Paul, give you the second one. Hey Dan, but before you uh, before you go before, before you talk about the second one, there's there's a uh, based on our audience, there, there's a term that I use, and it's, it's profits are better than wages. And what you absolutely. do what you do is on your on a part time basis, you work on creating your profits. You work on creating because your full-time gig, that's where you're going to be focusing on your wages. But like you just said, it's a, it's 
part-time is where you begin to work on those profits and to establish that business to whereas now you're going to create a lot of uh, tax advantage deductions that's going to help you with your full-time gig. Because your cost of your car, your part of your house, or the sorts insurances, of insurances, exactly, yeah, exactly. You're you're writing that off as part of this uh, supplement of business. Okay, exactly. so franchise number two. I like that one. Number two, and you've all heard of this, um, Airbnb. Yeah, um, I'll give you a little story here. I have a friend of mine who's, and he is retired. He's a retired chiropractor, and his wife just passed away after forty something years, and so. He pays on, he has a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath home in a desirable area. I won't tell you where it is, but he rents out those rooms. He pays $1,200 a month in rent. He's renting this house. He doesn't even own it. He pays $1,200 in rent, and he's averaging $4,600 a month oh my goodness. in rentals through Airbnb. Yes. Hey. So he's supplementing his income by... $3,400 a month. And that's, you know, somebody else said this. You can rent something and then rent it out again. Yes. And, and Dan, I tell you, I got a client that actually, when she started drawing her Social Security, because it was just, you know, extra income, she used that Social Security money to update her property. That, that steady income to update her property. She had two extra rooms that were just sitting there that she was using for storage. In her house. So, again, Airbnb is, is fine, but a lot of people, again, they already have the properties that they can actually just well, rent out a room. The reason I say Airbnb is because that's a marketing platform to rent out your uh, your rooms in your house. Yeah, yes, right. Yes, so, exactly. So check that out because that's another way to make money. Perfect. Here's the third one. Healthy Vending, V-E-N-D-I-N-G dot com. This is about buying vending machines of all types. Yes. And you can, and now this is an, sort of an absentee ownership type of thing. Vending machines, you have to find locations for them, but there's many, many, many opportunities to install vending machines where you make the capital investment, and all you need to do is go around once a week and fill the vending machine and collect your money from the machine. This is a great way to supplement or uh, to create a retirement or a business. Not only do I agree with you on that one, Dan, because I was sitting in a barbershop one day and, you know, just, you know, waiting to get my hair cut. And I went, on, went over to a vending machine, you know, I pulled some, you know, put out a, you know, a couple of cookies or whatever and just sitting there. Right. Um, lo and behold, I'm getting my hair cut. And again, a guy comes in, he starts filling, filling up the vending machines. So with you touching on that idea, people are going to be, our listeners are going to, when they go out, they're going to start seeing vending machines everywhere, but they never equate that to a cash flow business that anybody can get into. And it's cash. I'll give you a crazier right. one. The woman who um, uh, used to clean our house, um, I thought of as just, you know, somebody that eking out a living here and, and she worked very hard at it. 
And I didn't realize on the side she was entrepreneurial. And she eventually stopped cleaning our house. And we said, why? She said, because I bought vending machines. And she said, I go service all those now. <laughs> and I'm, wow. I'm laughing, thinking, oh, you know, geez, that's a dumb thing. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. She stopped cleaning our house off of the income she's making off of <laughs> exactly. vending machines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the fourth one, and I'm going to... Um, I'm going to say something before before to set this up. Within the next 20 years, virtually all of the labor jobs in the world will be gone. That's all a labor frightening thought. Artificial so, intelligence and robotics. So nobody's going to be manning the supermarket. It's a machine. Nobody's going to be working in the assembly line. It's a machine. Nobody's going to be driving the truck because it's a robot. Exactly. And that's happening faster than most people realize. In fact, there's a, um, there are several think tanks around, but one in particular is working on the immediate problem that um, uh, the electric trucks and the self-driving trucks are going to be on the road by the end of this year and that within the next five years, all long-haul trucking and even short-haul trucking is going to be, there's not going to be any truckers. Those trucks are going to be run um, like drones automatically. So it's a big issue because these people are all going to be displaced. And the reason I say that is prepare yourself now for the future because you may not have a job. Right. But... If you can use robotics or artificial intelligence, and that is what a vending machine is, um, but the next one is kiosks. There are going to be kiosks everywhere. And a kiosk, you can look at, this is the fourth website, kiosk, K-I-O-S-K, marketplace.com, and you can learn all about different types of kiosk business opportunities. But this is going to be the future of retailing, at least in the United States, but probably all over the world. I go to the big mall near where I live, the Mission Viejo Mall, and there are more people crowded around those crazy little kiosks up and down the center of the mall than there are in the big footprint stores that, that the mall depends upon. Uh, you can, in a little tiny footprint, you can make a lot of money selling sunglasses or calendars or also, uh, cell phone uh, cases and all and sorts of things. Those typically are square, and they have, you know, they have a high school kid or a college kid in the middle that's right. dispensing, and those are going to be replaced with automation, more like vending machines. I read somewhere that some of these uh, brands are thinking of replacing their stores. Tesla's yeah. trying this, where there is no dealership anymore. There's a kiosk somewhere. There, there's something, you can go online, certainly do it, but if you want to physically touch something, there might be a car there that you can look at and a kiosk that gives you information and show you different colors and leasing and other sorts of things. There's one outside the Performing Arts Center here. There's a Kia there uh, that sponsors the Performing Arts Center. It just sits there by itself with a kiosk next to it that dispenses information and shows you the different options. Wow. They're everywhere. I mean, and another example is Japan. You go to Tokyo, and they're everywhere. Are they? Everywhere. Again, automated dispense of information or, or selling of items here. Like a, like automated, a there are business opportunities 
that are emerging, that exist today and are emerging, that allow you to invest a relatively small amount of capital um, and build that up over time, just like any conglomerate. But the point is, and I think I'd like to hear Tyrone's and, and Paul, yours as well, the point is do not invest money in the stock market with the intent that you are going to accumulate millions of dollars in order to retire on the interest you earn on that money. Interesting. It's exactly. not reasonable. Interesting. And, in fact, it might bite you, as it did during the Great Recession, when we all stick our money into these 401Ks or uh, employee stock uh, things, and the stock takes yes. a big tumble. And right. now we've got to wait yeah, 10 I years would, for it to come back, yeah. And, but the if I were to add one, one third thing to keep in mind, just to follow on that, is that high tax and tax deferral, temporary relief from taxes, are the major impediments to financial security in this country. True, true. And, and Dan, one other thing I'd like to add is a lot of times people think, like you say, they think they have to have the millions of dollars right. because they don't understand wealth. They don't understand cash flow. And so the issue is, once you get to the point where you have a, I don't care if it's a business, I don't care if it's, if it's something automated, I don't care if it's something where you have to, you, you've created a, a system where somebody is managing it. But as long as that cash flow, as long as that wealth exceeds your expenses, technically, you are retired. And so now you can actually do the thing. Say, say that again. As long as your income. As long as that wealth. As long as the cash flow, which is as long as that wealth exceed your expenses, you're retired. Because you're not working for somebody anymore. You're working for yourself. You're working for yourself. Or you're, you're actually just managing a system that's creating cash. So your, your responsibility now. What do you think about this other thing system? we talk about? It, sometimes they call it the gig economy, but it seems more like the cottage industry of the late 1800s where there were no central factories. They Somebody was... Uh, knitting over in some little cottage somewhere or sewing stuff together. It was all patchwork stuff, and then it came together and it was assembled somewhere. Where This decentralized idea that you could be in Iowa doing bookkeeping for somebody. You could be in Bangladesh being a personal assistant for somebody. You could be at home, but working through your computer doing some service for somebody somewhere. The idea is sound because it's just like housing in the future. They're going to be modules. And those modules are being oh. produced all over the world. Um, um, the aircraft industry, uh, Boeing, they'll have subcontractors all over the country, all over the world. I've seen that. They, bring, right. they move the parts together. The wing comes from Brazil. Exactly. The engine comes from somewhere else. Exactly. So. so the idea can be incorporated into any facet. But the, the, the key is that you first have to have the idea. And you need to understand what that ideal is and capitalize on it. And that's why we're bringing in all these different voices, all these different teachers to say, hey, look, there, there are, you have options. There are other alternatives to creating the same or achieving the same goal instead of taking all the risk and all the responsibility uh, just for a, a, a minimal amount of reward. Well, you know what I like about it, too, is it gives you more direct control. When I put that money into an ETF or a stock fund, it's out of my control. The stock market goes up or goes down. Yes, I can try and study it and try and figure out the patterns, but that takes a lot of effort and a lot of guesswork. And ultimately, as a little guy, I don't have enough inside information I always felt to really know what's coming. But if I'm running 12 vending machines or I have a little franchise or a kiosk, I'm in direct you can control, control of that. It. Yeah. Absolutely. Fascinating. 
Well, tell us how they find out more about all this. Well, Dan, just go ahead. I tell you what, we want to know how do we, as far as the information that you're putting out there today, how do we, how do how do our listeners get in touch with you? Down to the last couple of minutes, how do they find you and learn more? Well, I don't know that they need to find me to learn more. I gave you the four websites, which I think are a great starting point in that if you are at all interested in creating your own business with a minimal investment, um, I would start with those four websites and do your research. It's certainly worth your effort and time to find a way. Think about this. I just want to leave you with this. You can create a business with $100,000 that will produce $50,000 of profit a year. Oof. That's not unusual. That can be done. Yes. And, and these four opportunities can do that. Do you need 200000 a year? Then you need four of these things, and you can build on them. But you're not going to get a 50% annual rate of return on the stock market. No, no. <laughs> never. No. Yeah. never. Yeah. Unless you're you know, an inside trader. I got a 50% drop one year. I didn't get a 50% <laughs> increase, yeah. Well, uh, you know, if my housekeeper can do it, why aren't I doing it? That's the yeah. question. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dan, what I'm, what I'm going to do is take this information. I'm going to put it on my website. And so my listeners, we can, you can actually go to closingthewealthgap.info, and those four steps are going to be there. And if you have any questions, again, you, you just give me a call. And, um, you know, we'll because, again, this, this show is about closing the wealth gap and giving you different ideas and alternatives to whereas you can actually take control of your financial future. That's the key. Well, it sounds like this guy down in uh, Puerto Rico has done that. Uh, We're all trying to learn from his example and see if we can't do the same. Thank you for coming on and sharing these ideas with us here. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Dan. You've been closing the wealth gap. There are lots of creative ways to do it. Don't just sit and do nothing, though. Take action today. Tune in next week as we bring you more ideas. And tell your friends. Share us on Facebook. Go to iTunes and like us. We need to get this information out to more people. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, OCTalkRadio.net. Talk Radio.